You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. Welcome once again to another exciting episode of the Dream Loud Podcast. We're coming to you... Well, we're not live, but we're coming to you <laughs> from the headkeeper in Greensburg. I'm pretty excited about this. I like the atmosphere change. Yeah, it's pretty got, cool. Uh, we got nice ambiance here. It is. It's really cool. And we have a returning guest, as promised. We have Marty Lunn. Part two with Hello. Marty Lunn. Thanks for coming back and joining yeah, us for absolutely. a second episode. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'll come back until you get sick of me. <laughs> I was gonna say th- thanks for awesome. agreeing. Thanks for agreeing to uh, to come on with us again. Yeah, absolutely. Just to, yeah. No, we, we greatly appreciate. It. And I like I like the ambiance. This is also through Marty too. Marty suggested the headkeeper in in, in Greensburg and. Uh, here we are. This is the we did one at Panera. That was our anniversary, but I think this is yes. the the um, the first time we ever did it from a bar or, a, or an establishment. An establishment, yes, yeah, for sure. This is our first Where live we get remote. fine drinks and fine um, tapas. Yeah, which you is guys, great. your buffalo chicken dip. I have my water here. It's yeah, so good. this is good. <laughs> and we also have Amanda here with us too. My wife's here. We do. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. If we can hear that. Of, I have a mouthful of chips. You got her at the wrong time. I know. Sorry. Sorry, Amanda. It's all right. No, um, no, thank you. This is great. Thank you to Marty. Marty helped set this up. He was enormous. Yeah, it was thing. awesome. So, so we are here again. because of Marty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we want to get more into... Last episode was kind of fun, but we want to get more into Marty's story today and, you know... You've had enough of that us. stuff. Yeah, enough of us. Yeah, yeah right. Oh. Uh, before we get to that, though, uh, Dan, you wanted to share a couple things. A little bit of housekeeping. Yes. Um, and I didn't realize until after. I, I just wanted to say thanks. Um... My wife and I, we had so much uh, overwhelming support on our episode 154. Is that right? 155. Yes. Yeah, 155. Yeah. Um, we had so much over our loss. Um, I'm sorry, it's not 155. It is 55. I'm jumping I, I don't know of why you were saying the one, but I just assumed it was for a reason. It's, no. yeah. No. Okay. no reason. No reason. No, okay. No um, we just can't count. That's accurate. Uh, but no, I, I just uh, wanted to uh, say thank you for... It was overwhelming support um, whenever we shared it. Um, we had so many people call, uh, you know, call, text, Facebook message, Instagram, and comment. Um, I was pretty overwhelmed by the support. I, I know, you know, you were as well. What, what was your... Yeah. Are you yeah. asking me? Yeah. What right, was, let me scooch closer to bed. Yeah, what was your experience? I, I, I thought it was overwhelming for, for me. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's alright if you do. I get bit okay. all day long. Oh my god, um, it's true. Small children with new teeth—it's not a good thing. Yeah, I, right. for me, I, I can only describe it as overwhelming. It was, it was very overwhelming. There were a lot of people that reached out, that sent personal messages. I've had a couple of follows on Instagram that just have been random. Um, so it's been—it's been really cool. Yeah, it was you know, episode fifty-five. Um, we had a loss. We had a miscarriage in August, and, and like I said in the episode, um, it's not about us. It's not about our sympathy. I appreciate it, but uh, we did that to help everybody else, to help anybody else who might be struggling with anything, uh, miscarriage or anything right. else, uh, to say that you're not alone in your struggle. Um, but I know we were. I was blown away in the messages, and not only that, but like the shares, the people that shared it to say like, "Hey, listen to this. It can help you." I mean, there's so many great friends. Um, you know, a handful that I can think of that, that just shared it just to say that, like, hey, this is if you're going through this, um, yeah, it was it was just really cool. It, I was really taken aback by the support. Yeah, and just 
the stories that people shared with me sure. about their own personal experiences were really cool too. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was pretty blown away, and, and I'm still responding to messages that I got with that. Um, it was 130 downloads, I believe, in a week. I think so. Which yeah. Which is pretty, pretty. You know, like I said, I, I appreciate it. Thank you to everyone. And I, I wanted to say it last time, but we were having too much fun. We were having a ton of fun with the last one. <laughs> right. um, I will. And, and we were thinking so hard about. Oh my goodness! You threw, you threw me for a loop with the, the live one. It took hey, us man. a whole. You know, you know, during the bill. Right. But you're, keep but you you're on good your toes. for that. Yeah. It took us a whole hour to figure out like our list beforehand. We were so sidetracked with like putting together our lists <laughs> and hiding it from each other and having it be so secret. Right. It was a ton of fun. So. Yeah. And ordering food. Ordering food too. Uh, so we hope you had fun with that one. We had a blast uh, sitting around and going through our list. Um, that night, I also got a message that blew me away. Like I said, I, I wanted to go through some housekeeping. First off was, was our episode. Second off was this. Um, I got a personal message uh, into the Dream Loud podcast inbox, um, and it was from uh, a friend named Shannon Griffey, a listener. Um, and this is a little bit long, but I, but I feel it's worth it, and I feel that it speaks to anyone who might uh, be following a dream, you know, anything of that nature. Um, he said, hey guys, brace yourself for a novel. My name's Shannon Griffey. Uh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. She said, I don't remember exactly how I stumbled upon your podcast, but I did so right around the time uh, I was getting started. She said, over the last year, I've listened and gleaned from every episode. I greatly appreciate it. That's a lot of content uh, in, in 56 episodes. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably like 75 hours. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Shannon. I can't imagine somebody would want to listen to us for that long, but thank you, Shannon. No, so, yeah, we appreciate, my wife doesn't even want to listen to me for that long. So. I tune in and out every once Yeah, she fades in and out. Uh, but she said, and, and I thought this was really cool. She said, it's funny because uh, I worked in Brock, this is her talking, uh, I worked in broadcasting and reporting for a long time, but I quit to focus on bass playing and start a band. So, I mean, it covers both of our bases. I'm a, I'm a reporter, journalist, you're a bassist. Um, she said, so I can relate to both of your interests at least a little bit. Uh, however, I'm not a sports fan at all, so that's where the relational line's drawn. She said, anyway, the timing of the Dream Lab podcast was interesting because I started listening right when I was making the transition out of radio and reporting into music. Uh, and, and I think this is important right here, this, this next part. Um, for anyone who might be following a dream, especially music or, or passion, um, she said, music has, for as long as I can remember, been my passion. The problem is I'm not, quote, musically inclined, end quote, and believe the lie that you can't learn music. You have to be gifted with it. I'll repeat that again. Um, she said the problem was she said that she wasn't musically inclined, and she believed the lie that you can't learn music. You have to be gifted with it. Uh, she said by neglecting the pursuit, she was getting depressed, really depressed. Anything you guys want to add on that? Uh, um... I mean, I've been there. I mean, we could, yeah. Like, that, and Marty, it would be interesting if you, sure. like, yeah. uh, fed into this as well, but mm -hmm. I know for me personally, like, the biggest struggle of being a musician is it's just so hard to continuously, like, put effort into, like, being creative. Being creative is not easy. Sure. Yeah. But if, but I know for me personally, if, like, you have that, if you have that gifting, if you're, like, built that way that you need to do that, if you're not... If you're not being creative and you don't have that outlet, then you—that's when you start to feel depressed. That's when you start to feel like, "What's right. the point of my life? Like, sure, what, sure. what am I doing?" And, and so it can—it can be like a double-edged sword in the sense of like, but I it's think hard and difficult to like try to be creative. Sure. But if you're not doing that, then it's even worse for you. So I understand in in seasons of my life where I wasn't 
doing those things and songwriting or, or actively pursuing my dreams and passions sure. that like it just kind of leaves you feeling empty so and I think she said that the thing that stands out is like you know there were people that were saying or at least a, a thought that was um, you know she she believed for a time she wasn't musically inclined and, and that she couldn't learn music you have to be gifted with it but like you know she said you know, by neglecting the complete, the pursuit she was getting. This does get a, be, a better, you know, there is a, a, a turnaround on this, but, um, you know, there, there are a lot of lies out there in terms of, like, you know, oh, you can't do this, or you can't, well, why not? You know, yeah. and, and that's why we're here, to say that you can do that, or you can do, you know, I, I don't know, like... I mean, without getting into the science of it, yeah, sure. like, each of us is more or less gifted... Right. ...by birth and, like, certain things, uh, but... Overall, I tell people, like, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born into this world with my bass playing abilities. Like, sure. Yeah, I spent play. a lot of time because I loved it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think that, like, I'm necessarily any more gifted than anybody else that was born. I just chose to take my interest and, and really hone them and spend time doing them. Right. What do you say to anyone who has those, like, lies of self-doubt? You know, any, anything like that? Like, any, you know, who might be, I don't want to say believing those lies, yeah. but, like, you know, what, what do you say to anyone like that? And, what, do th- what do you think, Marty? Well, the, I mean, it's it's not even so much lies. It's, sure. it's the uh, it's the reality of life. Yeah. You know, um, yes, <laughs> it would. Everyone that's listening would love to just quit their job and start doing, you know, doing their dream. Yeah. But those envelopes with the bills still show up at the end of the month. Sure. You know, and so. It's a it's a fine balance between you know li- living life and doing and doing the dream you know and sometimes dreams change over the years um, you know for us in Zeo for instance we um, and I know you have exactly the same thing with what happened with Flyleaf where you know. Lacey was having a baby and you guys were, you know what I mean? It was just like, that was, yeah. that, that season was over. You know, yeah. I hate, I hate to use that, the, the, sure, the season sure. term, you know, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, like for, for us, I think we were, we were a full time touring band, uh, until around 2007. Yeah. And, you know, the decision was made amongst the five of us that we wanted to see about maybe starting families and sure, things like sure. that and kind of like, you know, establishing ourselves. And then once that had happened, you know, we could continue doing the band just in a different capacity, you know, where we're not leaving for two months at a time. And, you know, that's kind of where we're at now, where the band has come back around, where it's an important part of our lives, but it's not the only thing. And and I think that's so. And I think that's important just in the sense that like, and we can get into it, but just like you've worked with some of the biggest names in the industry, you know, some of the biggest names, some of the biggest bands in the industry, but at the same time, like you still have a full-time job. You still have a nine to five. You still have, you know, you're a draftsman. I'll Um, be there tomorrow morning. Sure. Totally. Um, yeah. And, and Ben, you know, you have a full-time job. I have a full-time job myself. Like, we get to do these cool things. You know, you guys both tour, and, you know, I cover the Steelers and Penguins and, and other, you know, other, other things. But at the same time, like, you know, like you said, you can't just not neglect the bills. You can't just, like, like what is that like to, like, yeah, you're following your dream, but, like, you have to, you know, you can't just... You can't just put it all in a, in a, in a catch-all. You know what I'm well, saying? You just, I mean, you you, have a, you just uh, have to be willing to adjust. Sure. 
you to know, make that dream happen. Yeah, you, yeah. You, it's it's this thing called turning into an adult. Yeah, which none of us actually want to do. <laughs> I've still never um, hit it. Yeah, right. It, it's I'm 43 and I'm still not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's reassuring because I feel the same way. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I, actually, it's it's funny because I feel super fortunate that I'm still able to do things like that. Right. At yeah. my age, because a great many people at my age have given up on those kinds of things years ago. Sure. You know, and same in my profession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that we do still get to go out and do shows every once in a while and put records out and that kind of stuff. I mean, I feel very fortunate awesome. to still be able to do that. How much of yeah. a challenge is it to, to live your dream like that and work a full time job? I mean, yeah, you're, this is what you love. This is your passion. Well, but what it means is that your your free time a lot of times is not your own. Yeah. Um, because with obligations to friends and obligations to bands and relationships and you know what I mean? When you, when you sure. add it all up, there's not a lot of time for no. other things. Is it putting all that free time? Is, is that, does it mean putting all of that free time into your dream? No, you, you no, no, no. You know it what means, what like, it means is the dream, the dream is a part of it. Right. But the dream can't be the only thing that no. you're, that you have. It, it can't. It shouldn't um, be. I have a, maybe a slightly different perspective on that. Sure. Uh, just in that, like, if you if you want to do these things, um, well, okay, I'll take a step back and say I think maybe a disservice that VH1 and maybe MTV did as we were growing up. Yeah. I know those things don't really exist in the same capacity <laughs> that they that they did at one point. They were pretty they, awesome. Really, they don't? Uh, yeah, they unfortunately. Were awesome at one time. Uh, but. What, what what are the stories that we saw? Motley Crue. Yeah. Like, they got signed, and then they just partied, and it was the life. And it was great. You know, Everything, I mean, yeah. that, that was an, essentially, like, America's version of royalty. Sure. Yeah, I think I mentioned, I specifically remember watching a video on, I think it was Motley, where they had a, a limo driving down Sunset Strip. Yeah, you did mention this yeah. in the other and, podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, like, I looked at that and said, I want to do that when yeah, I grow yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, you know, know. Who doesn't? I, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and, um, you know, it took me a long time to actually figure out, oh, wait, that, that world doesn't actually exist. For they, the they, majority of people yeah, out not, there. Not even for them. I mean, they filmed that for, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, hey, look at this. But, right. like, that wasn't, that wasn't real life, you know? And real exactly. life. Nikki Six was dying from an overdose. <laughs> sure, you know what I mean? Like, in, yeah, that, that's, that's that was real off life. camera. That's yeah, real life. Show that, that's yeah, right. not shown on camera, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like seeing... Uh, Figuring out what's real and what's not real. Right. That's, that's a big important. Part. That is a big because part of Because dreams it. can become reality, but you have to be grounded in reality for that to actually manifest itself. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so in following that up, like, uh, I think in my personal life, um, well, well, just think about the friends and the people in your life, you know, as, sure. as a listener. You know, what is the what is the typical, like, adult life, like, especially if you don't have kids? Yeah. I think it's you work your nine to five and then you have that time outside of work where you watch TV, you go to a sports game, you go to the bar with your friends or you watch Netflix. I think that's the majority of like Seems people's pretty, lives. Yeah. And I, for me, I think the thing is, is like I had to turn like some of the other things that I wanted, those dreams that I wanted to become reality. I had to make that. Yeah. That was my, be, become my fun. You speak instead of like, like the Netflix, instead of like the video games. Instead, instead of, of that, you speaking like pouring into your dream rather than pouring into the Netflix. Right. Yeah. And you know, like I'm human like anybody else. Like sometimes I don't want to practice my base. Sometimes I don't sure. want to learn a new skill, mm-hmm. but you got to like find a way to make it fun mm-hmm. so that you continuously 
can go back to it and, and keep yeah. getting better. And I think the, consistent. Pay, the payoff in that, the payoff in that work, and sometimes you say you're, you know, whenever the mundane moments, the payoff is playing rock on the range. You know, the payoff yeah. is sharing bills with, you know, sharing bills with Devil Driver, you know, like that sort of thing. The, <laughs> shit, the, the payoff is, you know, whenever you're going through those mundane moments, um, those moments where you'd rather be watching Netflix, where you'd rather be hanging out with friends, where you're pouring into your dream, you're thinking, oh, man, you feel so far away from it. Then you get the payoff and you're like, man, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to finish. Thank you again, Shannon. Um, just going into if you're if you're just kind of jumping in, um, Shannon sent a letter, um, and and I'll kind of I'll kind of give a refresher. She said um, she believed at, at that time she believed a lie that she couldn't learn music. She had to be gifted by it uh, by neglecting the pursuit. She was getting depressed, really depressed. Um, but she said something pretty sweet has been happening over the last year. She said her mindset has been shifting and hearing people who are actually living their dreams and to say it's achievable made me want to believe it. Thank you, Shannon. You are awesome. Um, eventually she started to believe it. Uh, she started working on music again, uh, writing, networking, getting time with more experienced players, uh, and her life started taking a different shape. I'll, I'll go over that again. She started working on music, writing, networking, getting time with more experienced players, and her life started taking a, a, a different shape. And I think that's what we were kind of talking about, just pouring mm -hmm. into your dream, um, you know, and, and working towards it rather than playing video games and watching Netflix. And I mean, I love video games, but... Yeah, that's the tough thing about, like, it takes a lot of foresight to make these dreams become reality. Sure. And I don't know if... I probably heard it from somebody else. I can't pinpoint where I heard this statement before, but I think it's so true. Like whatever you're doing today is going to become your reality in 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's good. It's good to take stock of your life and what you're doing. And sure. It, it's kind of foolish to think that if I'm doing this, something else drastically different is sure, going to sure. randomly happen. Yeah. And that's part of being an adult, I guess, is mm -hmm. well, looking at your life objectively. Right. For Shannon. Absolutely. Uh, she is now in a punk rock trio. Uh, she's getting ready to start releasing music and her heart is so full. Thank you again, Shannon. That means a ton to us. Way to go, Shannon. Uh, she said, I still have a long way to go in this journey, but at least I've started. Uh, God has been doing a good work in me and he's made the Dream Loud podcast a part of that. And I wanted you to know, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, we appreciate it. I, like I said, sometimes... Sometimes you, you put out these episodes and you just don't know where they're going. And so our goal is to help. So we, we appreciate that. Um, she sure. says, I so appreciate your hard work, uh, your sound minds. I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. Uh, your <laughs> excellence and willingness to share all you've learned. Uh, I hope I get to meet you in person someday. Keep it up. You're making a difference. Truly, Shannon G. Um, so thank you so much um, for, for that. And anything you want to add, just, I, I just think it's so important that, that she changed her mindset and she saw it. And it's not, I mean, it's easier said than done, mm -hmm. but she reached a point where she was depressed and then she started taking those steps to following her dream. Like I said, it's easier said than done, but I, is there anything that you guys, you know, can, can speak on? I'll let, you, I'll let you take it if you want. Well, okay. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean... I think Shannon and I were at different places in our lives when we decided to make that move. Yeah. Um, you know, I was still a, a young guy, um, but when I was, I want to say, probably 15. Okay. 14 or 15, something like that. Uh, it became very apparent that I was not exactly what you would call a ladies' man. Yeah. Me and neither. Boy, I, I no, desperately wanted no. to be, though, you know? Like, it's it's just, that's 
Yeah, I was yeah, just right. I was the I was the nerdy. You know, but the funny thing is now I would be the coolest kid in school. I'd be like the Stranger Things, like Dungeons and Dragons kids. Like that's yeah. This is before Weezer happened. Right. This is before <laughs> Weezer happened. Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, and um, Marty, I think you're the coolest so, kid. Oh, thanks, man. But you know, I I realized pretty early on I had tried uh, three different sports. You know, so I'm gonna be like it was. Uh, let's see, track. Okay. But couldn't do that, obviously. Right. Can't can't run. Yeah. Uh, wrestling. Okay, which yeah. Which is even funnier. Yeah. Um, and You're too tall to be a wrestler, baseball. I think. Baseball. Not, not back then. Not back then? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and sucked at all three of them. Yeah. So sports was not going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I decided that Wrote I wanted... that one off. Yeah, I decided <laughs> I wanted to be a drummer. Oh, yeah, there we I go. I just thought, like, like you know, that. the drums, man, that's like... That's cool, man. Drummers, they get all the ladies. And so I went to my yeah, I went to my brother's house and I, I insisted that's that a drummers he, uh, believe. Yeah. Well, I mean it is kind of true. Right. Yeah. Right. I I, I insisted true. that my brother help me become a drummer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he grabbed the newspaper and looked in the classifieds like, "Okay, we'll find you a drum set." Yeah. There were no good drum sets. Oh jeez. Yeah. But, but there was a 1978 Rickenbacker bass. Oh yeah. Which is a, you know, a very Sure. Awesome bass to those who are bass players. Let's that, try this That instrument. means a lot. And uh, the price tag was $300. Uh, a Rickenbacker? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Which probably should have been a misprint. Yeah. But I mean, they forgot a zero. They forgot a zero. <laughs> um, so Mike, my brother, he, he called and, and said, you know, we're calling to see if this is available. And the guy said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And he said, okay, we'll be right over. Yeah, and it, yeah. is, it is $300, right? And the guy was like, oh, yeah. Wow. So we went over. So somehow this is like one of these, you know, like one of the many miraculous events of my life. Sure, because sure. the newspaper was out all day. Yeah. Nobody called this guy. Yeah. We were the wow. first ones to call this guy. Went he, said, over, he said nonchalant about it, too. Went over, original hard shell case, he opened it up, and it is a 1978 Rickenbacker bass. Wow. And wow. That's amazing. It's $300. I feel like I need to add a, like an asterisk to that story, too, like... Because people would be like, well, well, no big deal. Nobody read the paper. The internet didn't exist back then. Oh, so, yes. yes. Very yeah. important. For, yeah. those, Everybody's, for those younger yeah. viewers, <laughs> young viewers, yeah, yeah. younger <laughs> listeners, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as the internet or social media at this time. Yes. You did things like look in the newspaper, the oh, classifieds. Yeah. That's where you found out stuff. Um, classifieds. Yeah, and yeah. people actually did look at them for <laughs> yeah. things like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, we went over and... Uh, my brother, I mean, this is like a, it's a family thing of sure. like, you know, constantly like uh, trying to get things for a little less. Yeah, yeah. So we inherited that from our dad. Well, that's okay. true. There, there was a little yeah. crack in, in the, the American pictures. In the famous uh, headstock, there was a little crack in, okay. the, uh, in the nameplate, little plastic nameplate. So he talked the guy into knocking an additional $25 off. Are you kidding me? So it was $275 for you this guys, wow. You guys are pros at this because I would have so, taken it for $300. No we'll questions asked. But honestly, you, you take it for $300 and you run. You run. Yeah, for real. You run. Um, but anyway, uh, that's how I became a bass player. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's the, the, the dream part. You sure. Know, it, it, it all winds back to what you asked yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that wasn't my dream. It was be- your dream just to play? It became okay. my dream. Yeah, yeah. My dream was I want to play music. Sure. And I had gravitated towards the drums. Yeah. You know, I thought like, okay, this this seems like where I need it's to be. It's a pretty cool instrument. Um, <laughs> but my brother said, I mean, he made the comment. He said, drummers are out there. 
He yeah. said, guitar players are a dime a dozen. Yeah. But if you're going to start a band, everybody needs a bass player. That's true. And there's not that many out there. We have two at this table. We have two at this but table, yeah. which is miraculous. It is miraculous. Um, but, yeah, so that's... Like a $300 Rickenbacker. I, I guess, yeah, I guess my, my response to that yeah, would yeah. be, have, have your dream. Definitely have your dream. Sure. But be flexible. Right. Be flexible with your dream. Because if you pigeonhole yourself into it has to be my way or the highway, sure. you may end up disappointed. You may end up um, going on the And you highway. may end up, yeah, you may, right, exactly. Sure. Um, so that's yeah. all I got. How did your that's dream, I love that. You, you said you didn't, how did your dream kind of take shape and, and form and like what you, you said you wanted to play music, how, how did it kind of manifest itself into, um, and, and you play for Zeo, but uh, you didn't play for that. I mean, and we can go into that, but at the same time, I want to give some backstory a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you're the bassist for Zeo. You were friends with those guys for a long time. Um, maybe well, the, the, story, the story actually starts long before that even came into play. Sure. Um, the but but members yeah, of Zeo were involved. It just Zeo wasn't sure. It, it was not in existence at the time. This is mm. I, this is nineteen ninety one. This might be a decade, okay. like a decade 1990 long span, or nineteen ninety one, something like that. Okay. Whenever, but I guess, I guess for you, went. how did your dream take? You have your base. Mm -hmm you have your dream like how did it take shape and how did you not pigeonhole yourself how did you how were you flexible in the sense that like all right here we well, go let's go now this is this is like this will be a commercial for parents out there that have kids that want to start playing music this is what i will say you may agree with this okay can't wait to hear because I started out with such a high-end instrument, yeah, and high-end doesn't necessarily mean monetary value. High-end means this is a quality instrument yes. yeah. that when I tune it, it stays where it's supposed to be, <laughs> and it's you know it's it's a quality thing. Yeah. Did you know what you had yeah. at the time? Not not as much. I yeah. did. I'll yeah. get to that in a second. But ahead, not. Yeah. I didn't know that it was that that. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, and they weren't crazy expensive yeah. then. They were expensive. They weren't crazy expensive. Now they're crazy expensive. So it stays um, in tune. Stays in tune. <laughs> what, what, what I'm getting at is if, if your kids come to you and they say they want, you know, I want to play an instrument, I yeah. want to do this. The worst thing in the world you can do is go to Walmart and yeah. buy them the Walmart guitar or the Walmart bass. That is the absolute worst thing in the world you can do because I agree. they're not quality instruments. They'll fall apart. They won't stay in tune. The kid will get frustrated, and we'll just put it in the corner, and that's the end of it. Sure. Um, if you start them off with something quality, they will appreciate that. They will appreciate the value of that. They will take care of it, and they will more than likely stick with it. Sure. That's I've seen no, that right. a thousand times, oh, yeah. um, and I, I believe in it. You know. I agree with that, too, and I think also on top of that, like— the first bass I ever owned, I bought with my own hard-earned money. Even better. So it's not, so, like, it's yeah. not like it was I was going to, to play yeah. it because yep. I invested in it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's important. And I actually, come to think of it, I bought the Rickenbacker, too. Now, yeah. it was only a couple hundred bucks, so sure, it wasn't sure. like right. killing me or anything. But that was like my Christmas present to myself that year. Um, so, yeah, but it, it means something. Yeah, it yeah. means if... If you're not invested in your dream. Yeah, what was your dream? What was your... My dream was to be a musician. And uh, my dream is to be a musician and through that um, have girls actually talk to me. How did that... <laughs> 
how do <laughs> I like okay I like how you it, just like it move on get, from that it doesn't like, get any more complicated than that yes um, how did it manifest itself and how did it how did it kind of you know kind of take shape and form and well what it know. did I mean uh, you know what it did was it put me into a like for instance um, when you play a sport yeah. okay you're on the football team the football team becomes your team. Yeah, yeah. You know? And what I didn't realize was I was doing this selfishly, like, just in my own, like, I'm going to be this musician guy, and it's going to, you know. But what I what I forgot was that it takes a team to make a band. Sure. You yeah. know, it, you are reliant on other people to play with you to make. So, essentially, instead of being on the football team, I was on the, I'm in a band team. Okay, yeah. And there were other bands that we became friends with that were local musicians as well, and they were all on our team too because we were all on the same mission. So we would set up shows locally, and there'd be five bands on it, and every band would be completely different. You're just friends and with was, all these local bands. Yeah, ba- yeah. It, was, it was a beautiful thing because now you, awesome. you can't really get away with that nowadays. Like if you go to see like a metal show, yeah, all the bands have to be playing metal. They're all metal bands. Um Whereas back then, I mean, you'd have a ska band, you'd have an electronic band, yeah, yeah. you'd yeah. have like a hardcore band, you'd have this. And the, the, we were all friends with each other, so it all worked. We were all there to support each other. Right. Sure. And people that like, you know, this is like crazy to people now, but people that weren't even into those styles of music would stay and watch those bands sure. to support them. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, it was, it was just fantastic. Is it a matter for maybe someone who might be starting out, maybe not completely starting out, but just like, who might have that dream of just getting out and networking? I think Shannon kind of mentioned it too, like she was doing that, but like getting out, networking, being friends with these guys, supporting these guys, is that is that part of it all too? Sure, that absolutely. And, might be starting and, out? Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm not maybe the best to speak on that sure, sure. nowadays simply because I'm old and fat and comfortable in my musician life now. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't necessarily... better on the block. Well, it, it's not that. It's just but I it's, don't necessarily have to do those kinds of things totally. anymore. Like I don't have to go out and, and do and, you know, pound the pavement anymore. Sure, sure. Um, but that's the interesting thing is like in doing like side project bands and stuff like that, there is still some of that. Yeah. And so that's kind of challenging and interesting for me it kind of like done it in a while it, yeah exactly but it keeps me in that yeah that game yeah. you know um so yeah can, it, can you remember a, a first time whenever you know you you kind of i mean you you were all in the scene you were mm-hmm. supporting each other throwing t- you know throwing shows together can you mm-hmm. can you ever remember a time um you know whenever you you kind of shot a little shot a little higher with the dreams you know like kind of um you know like kind of one of those deals well what i what i noticed is that the um the first band that i was ever in that played in front of people um mm-hmm. we all actually there were four of us in the band we all ended up being professional musicians really at one point. <laughs> it was actually kind of ridiculous but it was easily the worst band of all time um <laughs> i could show you guys you know videos of that oh, stuff and you would, would you would this. agree immediately um, oh, some of my some of my early bands were bad. Yeah, too, I mean, yes. it was really, really bad. It's amazing and, where um, you can come from. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll just say yeah. That. Um, so yeah, it was it was a rock bottom kind of thing. And um, at some point, we got into like heavier music. We got into heavier guitar music, yeah. and um, we decided that we wanted to incorporate some of that into the band. Mm-hmm. 
And what we realized was that was a much easier style of music for us to play. Like it was more in our wheelhouse because yeah. it was like stuff that we were listening to and we were able to, you know, we were able to incorporate so a lot of that. What were you stylistically before that? What would you consider Before it? that... We would have been like a like a Pearl Jam esque oh, yeah. band, you know. So like but, it's just in that saying, era. Saying that band and Pearl Jam in the same sentence is a tremendous disservice. Just kind to of Pearl a grunge Jam. type. But I know what you're yeah, saying. They're just, like they're just ex- that. That was like the era where they were just starting to experiment with drop detuning. Yeah, sure, you know what I mean. Sure, yes. sure. Yeah. yeah, but but if I mean if you can imagine like the worst grunge band of all time, and then take it down <laughs> a notch from that, that's what this band was. Um, so when we started incorporating some of those kinds of things, where we're you know it's a little heavier sound, we maybe got some heavier amps. Um, you know the you drummer, kind of the drummer got a double kick pedal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we started like heading in that direction. The singer started. We started uh, screaming and singing, yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, where it would like go yeah. off and on, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so we decided with that stylistic thing that we would actually change the name of the band as well, and kind of like, kind of like reinvent. Yeah. That same band, and once we went through that reinvention, is when it started getting to the point where like we were playing with. You know, bands would come in, national acts and things sure. like that, and we would play with them. And it, you know what I mean? Because we were, we actually had like a discernible sound at that point. Yeah. That was that was in that wheelhouse of those bands. Now you grew so. up with the guys from, I guess, kind of grew up and played shows like with the guys from Zayo, with the guys from Juliana Theory. In that well, in that regard, I don't know. If yeah. You could, what, if you might be able to, to. Sure. What what how that all went down was the uh, the church up the road, Word of Life. Right. Um, all of us went to the same church. We were sure. all in the same youth group, even though a bunch of us were like kind of too old to be in the youth group. We were like the 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 yeah the the, the junior leadership, I guess you would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but we were all in there, and um, we we kind of spawned out of that. Sure, sure. And it was like there were two bands that formed within the the group within the youth group one of them was was pensive and that Which was, was me, your group. me yeah. and three of the Juliana theory guys and the other one was seasons in the field right which was three of the zeo guys so of the later day sure, zeo sure. guys so it was kind of like we, yeah. you know we all went into other things after yeah. that but while we were in that group we had those two bands so okay. that was kind of how we got plugged into that world and uh, Zayo gotcha. at the time was based out of West Virginia. Right, right. So, and then and then you guys played together, correct? And cause yeah, because I, I recall them, a story that you said, right? Um, you know, you you had these aspirations, and then you came in, and you heard Zayo, and and they were, and it was kind of like, uh oh, like the, you guys, you know, they blew you away in, in a sense. Well, yeah, I mean, we for the for the heavier bands in our area, we were like, you know, I'm not going to say we were we were better than anybody else. We sure. were we, but we were. We were playing shows with people of equal or better talent. Yeah, yeah. And so we were kind of like just we were in the mix. Yes. Uh huh. And then when Zayo, when we brought Zayo in for a show in Latrobe, um, they started playing, and we realized just how far behind we were. Like it was like okay, yeah, we're not even in these guys. I'd, we're not even playing the same sport as these guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How'd you get connected so, with those guys in terms of like bringing them in for a show? Well, it was actually, uh, I believe it was through our friend Jack, um, who, uh, was in, uh, actually his, when I, when we did the podcast, uh, Monday night, um, and I showed up in my suit and tie, I was actually, unfortunately at Jack's father's funeral, uh, before I came to do the podcast with you guys. So I just saw him, uh, Monday evening. Um, but he 
was he was in the best heavy band in our area for okay. sure. Um, there was a major influence on heavy bands everywhere. Hmm. But he um, kind of had his fingers all over the place, and they were playing little festivals in Ohio and stuff like that. And I think one of the festivals they played, Zayo was on it. And um, he knew, the, you know, the faith base of our bands yeah. and knew that they had the same faith base. And so he was like, hey, you know, you guys should hook up with these guys. And somehow we got their number and um, brought them up for a show. The rest is history. Now, so, it's so interesting that you say brought them up for a show because I was under the impression until I listened to, and we should do a shout out for the other podcasts that we're referencing. Uh, so... I wanted to give a different introduction, so I'll give another introduction halfway through to explain my yeah, side yeah. of the story and why I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah. So, um, but it fit better what we talked about sure. with um, the story at the very beginning. So, yeah, yeah. Anyways, like you said, the world is very small. The music world is very small. Sure. Uh, and it's really cool to have you on because yeah. Zayo was one of the bands that introduced me into heavy music. Okay. Way back when I was in middle school. Now I don't qu- quite think that you were in the band yet, but you were still okay. in the like in what, the mix, what would have kind been, of. What would have been the record? And I look, I looked this up because I was trying to remember earlier. My, do you my, know what album it was? My point of reference is Reborn by Living Sacrifice. So that would have been '97. Oh. Okay. Well, what happened was right, right about when Reborn was coming out. Yes. Um, Tooth and Nail decided to do an imprint label on themselves. For just their heavy bands called what is Sol- that, called what does Solid that mean? State. Oh, okay, yes. Um, so Tooth and Nail is is the mother company. Is it kind of like a, a compilation? No, no, no. They decided to make a smaller label within oh. the larger label okay. called yeah. Solid State. Yeah. Uh, they did another one called Plastic Music that was for like their uh, electronic bands. Okay. And they did another one called BEC for the um, like the mainstream artists, the more like mainstream CCM artists. So they essentially just kind of divided themselves yeah. into like different categories, but it was still under the umbrella of Tooth & Nail. Okay. So when they first did that, um, the first four releases on Solid State were the second Overcome album, uh, the second... Um, the second Further Seems Forever. No, I'm sorry, not Further The second Strong Arm album. Okay. Zayo's The Splinter Shards, The Birth of Separation. So it was their first full length on, on Tooth and Nail and Reborn by Living Sacrifice. Wow. So that was how they wow. started the label was those four releases. Wow. Um, so if, you, so if you're talking about Reborn, yes. the, re- the Zayo record that came out at exactly the same time was called The Splinter Shards, The Birth of Separation, which was still the full West Virginia band. Okay, th- so they were from West Virginia. Yes. Um, and it, so it's just crazy to me, like... And I hope we get more into this further. Mm-hmm. We get into the podcast as far as the we can crazy things five that hours happen if you to us. Want, it's your <laughs> oh, listeners yeah. that are going to suffer. So, I know. <laughs> like the crazy things that have happened to me in my life, and I, I want to get into the crazy things that have happened in Marty's life as well. Sure. But one one of the crazy things is what got me into like playing bass and loving heavy music is those two releases. Like, and back in that day, I felt like Christian music maybe more so than it does now like was kind of leading the charge as far as the the heavy releases mm-hmm. yeah um and tooth and nail was at the the front of that charge and when i think of tooth and nail the two bands that come to mind are living sacrifice and zayo okay. and i can remember being in middle school and my cousin will showing me you have to check out this record <laughs> uh, you know reborn and yeah. i think it might have been the record he showed me i looked this up earlier 
Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest? Oh, yeah. That, that was the first one with the Greensburg folks. Okay. So that was after... That would have been that would have come out after Reborn. Yes. So it might have been he might have been showing me Reborn after it had already come out. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, along with that, uh, so we maybe started. We're probably with thinking ninety eight, ninety nine time yeah. frame. Yes, yeah. that would have been much later. Okay. Um, Splinter Shards, I want to say, was two thousand and five. Okay. Two thousand six. Hang on, we'll do some real fast research here. See, there's this <laughs> thing called the internet now. Um, Let's see. Um, I can remember yeah, also, while you're looking that up, the, the funny thing about that was I can remember, um, and Will has great parents, by the way. This is nothing against his parents, but <laughs> I can remember like being raised in Christian households, yeah. and his dad's looking through the lyric book. I can't find anything wrong with these lyrics, you know? Like, isn't yeah, that right. hilarious? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, 1997. Beginning 97. of 1997. Okay. So, yeah. And that's right. And then... Is, uh, that still the West, is that still the West Virginia? That's or? right. Because, you see, it... I need I need frames of reference yeah, for right. myself. So that came out in the early spring in '97, and then my first semester of college was the fall of '97. Okay, which yeah. is why I didn't play on the album "Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest," which is the one you were talking about. Player. Yes, because I was in college instead. <laughs> yeah, which is so, fair enough. I mean, I've gone yeah. the college route too. Uh, but so it was really cool. I mean, we're talking. A couple decades later that Dan tells me, hey, guess who showed up at our church on Sunday? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The bass player from Zayo. And Mm. all of a sudden, I became a little (laughs) schoolgirl. And I was like, I just... It, it's crazy how things can happen in your life that you get transported back to when you were a kid. Sure, and, sure. And you didn't have any worries. Yeah. And and the joy of just like loving something for the sake of loving it. Yep. And... So it was just really cool to have that connection and to meet you. I know that you weren't exactly in the band at that point, but it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me. <laughs> so thanks for being on the well, show and thanks see, for being a part of something that was so yeah. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird because, you know, at, at that time for that album, there were only four guys in the band. Mm-hmm. But it was, like I said before about a team. Yeah where it, it takes a team, you know, no, no band just exists in and of itself. Yeah. You know, even if you're just starting out, if you just start out and you're playing your first show ever, who's going to be there? Sure. All your friends, all your family, you know what I mean? It, it's your, yeah. you know, you, that's, yeah. that's where you start. Everybody starts there. <laughs> and so even though the band itself may only have four guys in it, their support team you need involved that. me and a, and a cast of you know, many other people that were involved in making that yeah. a reality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, real. We, we all feel like we have a part of yeah. those things, whether we're listeners or whether we're, you know what I mean? It, it's it's and, all. Which is a very cool thing about the heavy music scene in particular. Yes. Yeah. It is very It's unlike any like other that. music scene. It really it sure, is. It is. Um, we, we really protect our own and like, it's like, it's our own thing, mm-hmm. you know? For real. Yeah. So back to what we were talking about before and, and the the build up and what Zayo was. So I always thought Zayo was based out of Greensburg. But from that listening was my to the perception podcast, too yeah. before that. Well, yeah. so it was West Virginia at first. But the thing is, from from uh, say the middle of the summer in nineteen ninety seven, mm. from that point on, it has been a Greensburg. Band. Right. This is, what, is October of 2018. It's so kind of after they already started gaining no- notoriety, so most people would think that. There was there was a notoriety for, for the original Zayo. There definitely was. Like yeah. the, They put out a record on um, 
uh, oh god, Steadfast, mm-hmm. Steadfast Records, um, out of Ohio. They put out their first full length, um, and it did really well. They made a thousand copies, and they actually over the years have had to repress that a few times. Wow. Really? So they've actually like sold, and then actually they, um, I think Steadfast just this last year. Uh, released it on vinyl for the first time, so you can actually get vinyl copies of that album. It's it's fantastic. That's awesome. It's still on my iPod to this day. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that album, uh, the story goes how how I got the story. I was not sure at tooth and nail at the time or anything like that. But um, the story I got was cornerstone of that year. The people at Tooth and Nail had gotten some copies of that record. And they were playing it in the offices, and there was a guy visiting from, I want to say it was Red Distribution. Like back in the day, if you had an independent label, that you're a smaller label, you would have to get yourself hooked up with like a distribution company yeah, that would yeah. then put it in the stores. Um, yes. And, you know, the, this is, again, kids, this is before the world of online. Yeah. And I mean, um, to this day, you still need to do that if you want to be in stores. Sure, sure, sure. There's still yes. that, that still exists. Yeah. Um, but, but back then, it was even more more like if you didn't have that you just didn't have a shot um right. you can almost so do it all yourself now one of the people from one of those distri- it was either if caroline or red i can't remember one of the distribution houses was there walking through tooth and nail and one of the guys was blasting that zeo album and was like what is that like, yeah why, yeah why, why aren't you do you have that band like why aren't you signing that band huh. and based on that wow talk about hey, right place at right time sure. right place right time um and so that very moment, you can trace your love of yeah. heavy music back to one little thing. <laughs> That's just insane. It's crazy I, how that works. Yeah. You know? I remember, uh, so I remember d- Zayo at the time. Like, it's it's interesting to go back and listen to it now because mm-hmm. you can think of a variety of bands that sound like that now, but, like, people weren't doing that back then. No. That right. was, like... Not at all. State of the art, I, I, I guess yeah, you there, there were bands that heavily influenced, like, Zayo's, probably Zayo's two biggest influences um, from a heavy music standpoint would be like Unbroken, uh, Carcass, and Greensburg's own Passover. Okay. Uh, which is Jack, the guy I was talking about before. That was his band. That was his um, band. Passover, Passover influenced every single member of every band that came from Greensburg after them. Wow. It was just that simple. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's... We can, we can trace it back to like a couple little sources of this is where all of this came from. So it's just, it's just insane. Like, mm-hmm. I guess what does that say about me as a person if I'm in the music scene that it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, like, yeah, I'm going through this now, but what I'm going through now could turn into be something huge and it could turn into, it could birth three national bands. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, I'm in, you I'm just, in my you scene. You have no right. idea. You have no idea. And, and is you know? it all about networking, supporting others, you I mean, know, just you, being there. You even there. said that about Dashboard Confessional. Like, the guys in sure. his... What was the, the band he used Further to be in? Further Seems Forever. Further Seems Forever. They yeah. didn't like his songs. Right? Well, it, I, I mean, mean... Or it wouldn't fit with... It wouldn't fit with... Right, what it was. It it, I think okay, those guys... Doing, those guys just stuff. had... I mean, they, they, you know, it's... it's Every band wants one great songwriter, and then some bands come along where they have, like, three or four great songwriters. Yeah. And, like, when you get to that point, it's like... Whose songs do you keep, and who's you know what I mean? What do you what do you do who's when you have this writer? dearth of amazing material? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they're one of those bands. Those guys are man privileged. extremely talented. Although yeah. that can be pretty 
that could be difficult to deal with at the same time. It can with, be, like, and it can actually and, cause a lot of, you know, a band yeah. like, uh, even on a national stage, like a band like Fleetwood Mac. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when you have that many, like, Hall of Fame-worthy songwriters in the same band, I mean, it it can cause problems, yeah. or it can make some of the greatest albums anybody's ever heard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's crazy how that works. What do you say to someone who's in that situation? I know I've touched on it before, but they might be in that situation where um, they're just going through it right now and they don't know it, but maybe that's going to birth national acts just like what you guys went through with the Juliana Theory and Zayo and, and that well, sort of thing. That that's the beauty of it is anyone is up for it because um, I look at the guys that I started, and when I when I said that the band that I started in was the worst band ever, I'm I'm not just playing. I mean that legitimately, like yeah. to the point where I literally can't listen to more than one second of any of it yeah. without like smashing something. Like it's that bad. So, <laughs> no, none of your that listeners. That sounds like the most metal none, thing I've ever heard. You know, here's the thing: <laughs> none of your listeners are in a band right now that are as bad as that band. So you already and have that, that band, going for you. And that band eventually turned into two national acts sure so um if that band can do it <laughs> literally any band can do it. so there so, you have it yeah you can, there, i guess at the end of the day i don't know I, I i feel like i told myself this on a routine basis but yeah. i'm gonna win if i don't give up <laughs> i just don't get it's, like, it's it. kind of like the, to- the sure. tortoise in the hair it's pretty much it like, because, if you don't give up you're eventually because there's an awful lot of people that give up is it is it you know? uh, yeah. and, so. and is it a matter of just staying in the game it's it's a matter of you know staying in the game, yeah. but at the same time, at some point, you have to like what I've seen a lot, um, and this is actually unfortunate. What I've seen a lot is people will be very excited when they first get involved in music, yeah. and they'll they'll you know they're writing and they're doing all this crazy stuff and they're making all this this stuff that they love. Yeah. They're making yeah. this this art, and then what happens is reality sets in that you know what maybe. Uh, millions of people aren't into the art that you're making. Yeah. But they want to maybe make a couple of bucks on what they're doing. Yeah. So what they do is they revert to just playing somebody else's songs. And you can always make money playing somebody else's songs. Sure. You can. Yeah, totally. But that has never and will never be me. Yeah. Um, That has been the dilemma of some bands I've been in as well. And I think the dilemma of a lot of bands is... Do we go out and continue playing um, original music shows where we have a hard time getting people to show up to, or we could go book a cover gig and instantly get paid sure. a couple hundred bucks? And and that come, but that comes back to Dan's discussion about the dream. Yeah, you have to define the dream. And that could, if, if your dream yeah. is, I want to make music. I want to make music and make money. If if that's and and that may be somebody's sure, dream, like sure. I want to I want to make money playing music. Um, there are ways that you can go about that. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily lend itself to being the way of artistically being satisfying. You know, yeah. like you're yeah. gonna you're gonna write your own stuff and it's gonna you're gonna be so invested in it that it's yeah. like a part of you. Those are two different paths. Right. It's true. It, it is. So, um, and you know, sometimes they converge. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, for instance, like with even with like Zayo and what you guys like, there are some points where you get a little bit of convergence on that, where maybe you do, you know, maybe people do buy a $15 t-shirt, yeah. you know, but it's, it's 
not it, it's tough to get to that point now yeah. it's, um, it's really tough because yeah. it's a different it is a different world you know um i think i was thinking about this very exact same thing today thinking of zayo and living sacrifice in particular and thinking how like incidentally one second yes i have while i'm thinking about it because yes, i thought about ahead. this before Please. and i missed it the zayo and living sacrifice that you're talking about yes that year at the Cornerstone Festival, I just so happened to take my giant shoulder video camera with me. Oh, I remember those things. Yeah. yeah. And I videotaped the entire Living Sacrifice oh, Reborn Tour set and the entire Zayo set from that year, which was the original West Virginia band. Wow. Some of that footage showed up on the big Zayo DVD. Okay. Um, very little of it. Yeah. But I have both of those on VHS. Wow. I own them. Can we watch them sometime? We can. Even more, more importantly, more importantly, no, more importantly, you guys that are like technologically advanced, yeah. which I clearly am not. Sure, we, you we, are. We, no, we need to digitize those. We need we to get to the point where like we can actually like watch them. Okay. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. That just needs Thank to you. happen. Anyways, yeah. Continue. So. What I was thinking about is the fact that like a a Zayo or a Living Sacrifice is never going to be the band that millions upon billions of people will agree that this is my favorite band or the best music that's ever been produced. Sure. But how much of a necessity it was for those songs to be written because they influenced so many other people and bands. Sure. Like that might just be the reality of the cards that you're dealt and like how important is that to I guess just like stick to your lane. You might not be gifted to be the songwriter that like reaches millions upon billions of people, but that's okay. And it still has a role to play in, in this world. I'm a big, big, big guy. See, I, I grew up on classic rock. Yeah. And one of the cool things that classic rock bands used to be, especially the ones that had like a million different members, mm-hmm. is they would make a member tree. Okay. So you would start on a piece of paper, like, okay, <laughs> these five guys started this band yeah. in 1970-whatever. Yeah. And then this guy went on and started this other band. These two guys went into this band. This guy went over here. And what you do is you make this giant, like, family tree yeah. of what came out of yeah. these five guys back here. If you do that, <laughs> that in fun. heavy yeah. music... It's even crazier. Yeah. Because, and what you were talking about, and, and this is this is kind of... I'll keep coming back to your dream because sure. that's what that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you may fulfill your dream, and it may not be you may not be in the biggest band in the world. Yeah, yeah. But somebody that listened to your band, they might start the biggest band in the world. That's sure. Yeah. And if you connect all those dots, you know, like I mean, I, I think about any any band. And I can say this about Zayo and not have an ego about it because yeah. there was a long time of, of Zayo's very established career that I was not in the band at the time. Mm-hmm. Like during a lot of really seminal albums that people are like, they hold, you know, they hold dear to themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were so many bands that were influenced by those albums sure. that, you know, it's it's not even speculation. These people have come out in interviews and said, like, this is, you know, like, uh, yeah. like an As I Lay Dying, um, the, um, uh, oh, man, like the uh, Norma Jean. Um, oh, Norma Jean. The, I, Leading through? Well, yeah, like, all, yeah. All, there's just this whole giant, like, group of bands that were influenced by the Living Sacrifices, the Zayos, the yeah. Strong Arms. Like, and so you pull the Overcome, you pull all of that 
you know, and you just keep like making this tree and yeah. it gets to the point where you may have influenced 10 people, but the band, one of those 10, their band influenced thousands. And one of those thousands, they influenced tens, tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. And, and I love that, like, if you can have that perspective on it, so then you can, like, be okay with not being that famous. Sure. Or be right. okay with working a day job and still, right. and, and still doing your craft. Because I think that there's something so important about that and not yeah. selling your soul. Like, yeah. And it's an interesting thought to think that there might, there could be the potential out there to, like, I guess sell your soul in the sense sure. of like, sure, I'll work with the producer and I'll play these songs and then yeah. I'll get a lot more notoriety. And like you said, that might be somebody's dream, but it also might not be what you're you're meant to do or your dream. Yep. I mean, the 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 thing maybe you're supposed to do is just influence those few hundred people. Right. So I just love I that mean, thing. in the art world, yes. and music is art. Yeah. But if you if we're just talking about the art world of sculpture and painting, like if we're just talking about art art, yes. Uh, almost every famous artist died penniless. That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the only beneficiaries financially of their stuff were people that had their paintings after they were dead. Yeah. Um, you know, and so music if you're one of these bands that influenced big huge bands, you're probably not going to see that financial gain. I mean, a band like the Pixies, yeah. you know, mm. the Pixies will never be a household name. Never. They never will. They're still out there touring and they're still making money off of their music. And that's their, that's their livelihood. Yeah. But they'll never be a household name. They influenced Nirvana. The bands that they influenced are all household names. Yeah. And you know, they can take that to the bank. Nobody can take that away from that's them. That's true. Um, so, you know, I kind of I kind of almost look at Zayo as like one of those kinds of bands. And they, where, abso- and they absolutely were. Yeah. Especially like it, for a lot of Christian hardcore kids. Sure. Sure. Well the thing is when you when you take it like that, <laughs> when you take the you know, here's this broad world of music, and then you take this small section of it called Christian music, where it's uh-huh. this specific, you know, we are only singing about one kind of thing. Yeah. Um it's just simple numbers. Yeah. There just aren't that many bands in that world that are playing that style of music. You know, like I said, I mean, there, there, it's, there's, there was a handful. Yeah. You know, and it was generational too. It's not that the, that the, like Living Sacrifice obviously was a, they, they've been around forever, but like the, um, you know, bands like Focused and Unashamed, they were before Zayo, the Crucified, like all of those kind of old, older, you know, slightly older uh, Christian heavy music bands, mm-hmm. they came before. And it was one of those things where the the world wasn't ready for it at the time. You know, it was one of, they were kind of yeah. ahead of their yeah. time. Like they were playing shows and they were awesome, but they were never going to see that success. But they did it anyway because they were doing it for the right reasons. They right. Were do- you know what I mean? And that's, right. that's the thing. Like in that world, it, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to make music for Jesus, make music for Jesus. And if you make a couple dollars off that, that's great. You're, yeah. you're blessed. Yeah. But, um, you know, you definitely can't have those two things going at the same time. Yeah. You can't be like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a millionaire playing music for Jesus. Yeah. You know, like that doesn't really, doesn't happen like that. We're going to pause our conversation with Marty Lund for this week, but there's much more to come. So if you want to hear the conclusion of our conversation with him, please tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Dream Lob Podcast. We'll see you then. 